it's easy to sense how Portugal keeps one foot in its glorious past and the other in the future as you travel around the country. While its wealth and might during the age of discovery made Portugal a global power, its membership in the European Union provides advances to its infrastructure today. In traditional economies, fishing, wine, olive oil, textiles, ceramics, and cork are still going strong. I've found Portugal to be one of Western Europe's best values for tourism, especially if you can picture yourself relaxing in a seaside town with a plate of just-caught seafood and a nicely chilled white wine. Portuguese tour guides Fatima Bugarin and Claudia da Costa join us now on Travel with Rick Steves to take your calls and offer their insider advice for planning the perfect week in Portugal. We're at 877-333-7425. Fatima. Where would you recommend visitors start out? I would definitely go to Lisbon, Évora, Porto, Douro Valley, uh, Coimbra, and that would cover most of it. Okay. And, Claudia, what would you list for a week in Portugal? I also would like to go to south, to the Algarve. I think it's mm-hmm. perfect. So Algarve, uh, Lisbon for sure, mm-hmm. uh, Sintra, Coimbra, and the Douro Valley in Porto. Okay, so let's talk about those places. And this is interesting because I I think there's a few places that a lot of our listeners might not know or appreciate, and we want to be sure that they appreciate them. First of all, Lisbon's capital city, dominant city. It's as big in Portugal as London would be for England, I think. you got to start in Lisbon. What what would you do? What are the critical things to do in Lisbon, Fatima? Uh, Well, Lisbon is a very hilly city. Right. uh, So you would definitely go and see the downtown, go and see the neighborhoods, do the walking tour of the neighborhoods, Bairro Alto, Alfama, take a feel of what Lisbon is all about. And then we have plenty of nice museums, really. Um, so The greatest museums in the country you'd probably see oh, yes. in Lisbon. And Claudia, Fatima mentioned uh, Bairro Alto and Alfama and Baixa. What, what are these three neighborhoods? Describe them briefly. Well, Alfama is one of the oldest neighborhoods in Lisbon, is uh, nearby the castle area. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's nice to walk over there. And then Bairro Alto is a 16th century neighborhood. It's completely on the other side of the hill. Downtown area, Baixa area, is another neighborhood at the riverfront. So there's there's a valley along the river and then two hills flanking the valley. And there was a horrible earthquake in, what, 1755, 1755. that destroyed most of the city. So the, the valley, the Baixa, the main downtown, is a modern grid plan from after 1755. But the Alfama underneath the castle survived the earthquake for some reason. So that's where you get the old kind of quarters. In fact, I understand the Bairro Alto, the other va- uh, hill, it was kind of a planned city to help accommodate the workers that were making the ships. Is, is yes. there that dimension yes. to that side? There is. There, it was basically uh, all the sailors that were and people that were working on making the ships and the ropes, and um, that was the neighborhood of the workers. Okay, and they organized that to house the workers close to the shipyards. Yes. Now, you mentioned, Fatima, the south coast. That's the Algarve. And that's sort of, Spain has the Costa del Sol, Mm -hmm. and Portugal has the Algarve. And we have the Algarve. So in three hours, you can drive there from Lisbon on a beautiful freeway. Oh, yes. And when you have the Algarve, for a lot of Americans, they just fly straight to the Algarve because they're looking for some beach resort. Well, what are the options in the Algarve? What do you recommend? Well, the Algarve has, over the years, become very popular, and everyone wants to go down to the Algarve. But there are really, really beautiful fishing towns and beautiful beaches off the beaten 
track, mm-hmm. which are very easy to find. If you are in Faro or in Tavira or in Portimao, you just go along the coast and you'll find these beautiful So the beaches. places you just mentioned were the resorts where people would have their timeshare condominiums and lots of uh, big tourism, but nearby are the smaller fishing oh, yes. villages. Yes. And Claudia, 500 years ago, when people thought if you sail that way, you'll fall off the end of a flat earth and there's dragons and everything, the very distant corner of Europe was Cape Sagres. Tell us about Cape Sagres. Well, in fact, Cape Sagres, there are two capes over there. One is Cape Sagres and the other one is St. Vincent Cape that has the name of the patron saint of Portugal. In Cape Sagres is the connection with uh, uh, the Harry the Navigator. So we have the school of the Henry the Navigator. So Henry the Navigator was leading Portugal and he he invested money in sending out these guys. Exactly. Who are the most famous two or three sailors? Well, Vasco da Gama, of course, we, we have to mention Vasco da Gama. I think we also to have to give credits, even if it was paid by Spain, but Magellan, of course. <laughs> so Magellan now. sailed around the world. Oh, yes. Vasco da Gama was the first guy to sail around Africa to get yes. to India. And then I also, there's another one, Cabral, that went to Brazil. So how is it that Latin America is divided with Brazil speaking Portuguese and everybody else speaking Spanish? Because part of the South America was discovered by the Portuguese and the other part by the Spanish, right? Okay, and yes. to this day, 500 years later, we have Portuguese and Spanish. Yes, you know, we have a treaty that was signed in 1494, that is the Tordesillas Treaty, and that treaty, Portugal and Spain, just divided the world in two. <laughs> what, what is the name of the treaty again? Tordesillas. Claudia da Costa is a lifelong resident of Lisbon, and Fatima Bougarin is from the historic town of Tomar. There are guides now with tips for a perfect week in Portugal on Travel with Rick Steves. Now, we've talked about the capital city, we've talked about the south coast, and then we can head north. And in the north, we have some very important sites to check out. Claudia, what would your top two stops north of Lisbon be? Well, I would say Coimbra where you have uh, one of the oldest universities in Europe, and then Porto, of course. I love Porto because it's sort of the industrial, rough-edged little sister of Lisbon in a lot of ways. Yes, <laughs> yes it can be, but uh, also Porto is very known by the very beautiful river and, of course, the port wine. So that's the big part of tourism is the Douro River Valley that goes up from Porto. And then as a tourist and a traveler, how would you enjoy the port wine experience in the Douro River? What do you do? Well, I would recommend you to have a car. I think it's the best way to go around. And then you can visit the different wineries on the way, wine cellars on the way, and especially the little ones for the family farms. Okay, so we visit farms in the Douro Valley. We can go to Porto and visit the the lodges where they age the port wine. And Porto is the... uh, rough second city of Portugal that in so many ways is trendy now and got great restaurants and wonderful opportunity. Coimbra is sort of like the Oxford of Portugal with the great university. Fatima, you also mentioned Évora in your week in Portugal. Évora, why Évora? Évora is south just before you get to the Algarve and it is in one of my favorite regions, the Alentejo. So Alentejo, that's like the Wild West, the rough cowboy country of Portugal. Almost. I would say that uh, it, it is the joke of the country because everyone has jokes on the people from the Alentejo, but it is really the hardworking people. They've had it rough all their life, and they are right now one of our biggest economies. They, it's where you find mm-hmm. our cork forests, very good cheese, very good bread, very good wine. 
It's the hottest region and it's also the biggest region of Portugal. So, Claudia, Fatima said it's the butt of jokes. Do you have a favorite Alentejo joke? <laughs> well, you know, when we always talk about the Alentejo people, uh, we always say that they are slow. You know, they like to do siestas. It's the only part of Portugal that really the shops are closed uh, for the siesta time. So how slow are they? Well, I don't think they are really slow. I'm, I'm giving you an opening <laughs> for a joke. They're so slow. Mm, they're, I don't know. I don't remember any Didn't, joke about... I thought they <laughs> celebrated the millennium in 2003. Uh, okay, it could be. That was a joke a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so this is Travel Trick Steve's. We're insulting the people of Alentejo. No, oh, no wonderful. We're not. we're not. It's a wonderful place to go and visit. I love Evora, the main city of Alentejo. We're talking with Fatima Bougarin and Claudia Costa about Portugal. Our phone number is 877 and Kirsten's on the line from Excelsior, Minnesota. Kirsten, thanks for calling in. Do you have a comment for Fatima or Claudia? I do. I have. We were in Portugal in August with our family, two boys, ages 12 and 14, and we just could not get over how hospitable the people were, and we just absolutely loved the culture and the people and the vibe, and I felt like it was still undiscovered, even though I know it's discovered, but it still felt like, you know, the hordes of people weren't there. Um, we did Lisbon, Coimbra, and then we went to Porto, and we went to Costa Nova, the little striped beach town ah, near right. Porto. Yeah. And how did your, your children, you have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, uh, what was enjoyable for them? What did you enjoy as a parent uh, sharing with them? Well, they, my 14-year-old does all the trip planning. He picked Coimbra. They love Sintra. We got a, a tuk-tuk ride all the way up to the Pena Palace, <laughs> a very fast tuk-tuk ride, kind of scary. Um, but Sintra was incredible. It just was like Harry Potter land. I, it just was so magical. They liked the castle in Lisbon. They liked Tapas. They, we went to Belém for the Pastel de Nada. They just love, and they loved the language, and they loved the, the tiled plazas, just loved the architecture and the mosaics and Oh, it's, um, it sounds like yeah. a wonderful family experience. Claudia, uh, Kirsten's children really loved the palace at Sintra. They said it was like a fantasy. It is kind of like a fantasy. Tell us about the Pina Palace. Pina Palace is wonderful. It's on the top of the hill. It's not only the palace. Uh, it's also worth the visit, the gardens. It's almost incredible how a king in the 19th century decided to do a palace on the top of that hill because it's hard to go there. And this king was from the same generation or even the same family or something as Mad King Ludwig in Bavaria. Yes, and we know yes. the Neuschwanstein castle. And when we go to Sintra, outside of Lisbon, it's like the same sort of um, fantasy castle building. Exactly. I would say that. And then he also, he designed himself the palace. So he was pretty much inspired by those palaces in Baviera. So you have that uh, kind of feeling that that's, you are in Baviera. That's great. And, and Fatima, when you take groups around w which have children, what, what advice would you give to a parent to let the kids have a good time? Well, thank you, Kirsten, because that was really nice. Yes, we are friendly and uh, there's a lot to do. Portugal is a very diverse country and pretty safe, but all our museums are also interactive, so they, they get to learn a lot about our history. We have a lot of green areas right now. And some beautiful street art. Oh, oh yes, and there's street art now. Kirsten, did you notice the street art in places like Lisbon and Porto? Oh, incredible, yeah. I, I just think it was magical for the kids. It's like kind of a step back in time, so ornate, colorful. Did you go to the Coach Museum out at Belém outside of Lisbon? 
No, we didn't. See, next time, it's these royal coaches, you know, carriages before the age of cars. And these horse-drawn carriages are just like works of art. And to go there, with, with, especially with kids, it would just turn their imagination wild. Kirsten, thanks for your call. Thanks, Rick. Bye now. Paul from Kansas City has emailed us, and Paul writes, wanting to tour Portugal in early or late summer, starting north, likely in Porto or Lisbon, and then down to the Algarve, and perhaps over to southern Spain. We'd like to do all of this without a car if possible. Is there good train service from north to south through Portugal? Claudia, what about the train service if you want to go from Porto to Lisbon and then down to the Algarve? It's very easy. You have uh, a great system called, well, it's like our bullet train, it's uh, really easy to go from Porto to Lisbon. It's about two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. And then you have another two hours and 45 minutes to go to Faro in the south of Portugal. And Faro is the big town in the middle of the Algarve. And from there, I would imagine there's bus connections there east go. and west to every town along yeah. the yeah, Algarve. It's very easy. So for Paul in Kansas City, you can certainly do it without a car. Uh, Deanna is calling in from Washington, D.C. Deanna, thanks for your call. Um, yeah, I was calling to share my experience. A couple of summers ago, I took a trip to Spain and Portugal, and I really found Porto to be a really fascinating city, just so beautiful. And I'd second Kristen's comments about the people of Portugal being very warm, very friendly, very hospitable. A lot of people speak English, but they're also very supportive of people learning uh, Portuguese. So uh, I'm pleased to say that I, I learned a few words and enjoy that part of the interaction as well. Nice. Now, you were in Porto. What was a good memory of you in the big city of Porto? Uh, my favorite, uh, two favorites. The first was um, the Sao Bento train station because um, if you go inside, the walls are of the beautiful characteristic Portuguese tile with a blue painting, and it's just, it's really beautiful. And you can and read a lot I, of history into those uh, blue tiles. The whole hallway of the train station is covered with these blue tiles, and they tell a lot of beautiful history about the people and the culture of Portugal. And what was your other memory from Porto? My, my other favorite experience was visiting the Livraria Lelo, which is a bookstore, kind of quirky, really interesting um, architecture on the inside. And apparently it served as the inspiration for J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series and you know, after being in there, I, I definitely felt connections with uh, being in Hogwarts Castle. I could see the similarities. Nice. That's the Lello bookstore, L-E-L-L-O, and everybody in Porto knows about that. Did you go up the Douro River Valley? That's where people go to do some wine tasting and, and vineyard hopping. Oh, why, yes. And actually, thanks in part to your recommendation, I did spend a couple of days on the Douro, home-based in Pinyao, um, which is maybe about two to two and a half hour train ride from Porto. And from there, stayed at a place called the Vintage House, which was really beautiful and right on the river. Hmm. And took a couple tours of wineries. One I visited was smaller, more family run called Quinta de la Rosa. I mm-hmm. think it's actually in your guidebook. Quinta and, de la Rosa, um, yeah. See, there's, these are and, small uh, family run wineries. And it's, it's kind of like tasting wine in, in Germany or France or, or Italy. Uh, you get to see wonderful family wineries, and there's no castles around there, but you got these wonderful terraced hills, a beautiful river, and a lot of tradition. I mean, you really get to dig into it and, and actually see how the, the wine is, is made. It was a really wonderful experience, and it's just so much slower out there, and you really can slow down and, and almost hear your heartbeat, which was a nice break from 
being in Porto, which is a mid-sized city, and then prior to that, I had been in Barcelona. So the Doru Valley was a beautiful respite. Nice. Deanna, thanks so much for reporting on that in your call, and happy future travels. Thank you, Rick. Fatima Bougarin tells us why her hometown of Tomar, on the inland route between Lisbon and Porto, was a major focal point in Portugal's medieval history and is well worth a visit today. It's in an extra to this week's show. You can hear it online from the radio page of our website at ricksteves.com radio. And Fatima, I just love the Portuguese language, and when we go there, Portuguese people are, are eager to hear you speak a little bit of the language. When you take a group around Portugal, what four or five words do we have to know to be polite with the people we meet? Well, you would have to say bon dia. Bon dia. Good morning. Like buenos dias, but bon dia bon, Portuguese. Yes. And uh, you would have to say obrigado. Obrigado. Or obrigada. Now, what and does that mean? And this means thank you. But it's a gender word. So if you are a gentleman, you say obrigado. And if you're a lady, you say obrigada. Uh-oh, I've been saying the ladies' way. Okay. <laughs> obrigado. Okay. And please would be por favor. I know that word. And what's, what's goodbye? Adios. Like adios. 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 Yes. To God. Go with God. Yes. All right. Claudia and Fatima, I'd love to just finish off with your favorite, as a tour guide, your favorite intimate little experience to share with one of your guests in your country. Maybe a meal, maybe a drink, maybe a viewpoint, maybe an artistic experience. Fatima, what one experience would you want me to have to, to cap my Portuguese experience? Mm, I would say sardines, grilled sardines. That's Portugal for you. The smell of grilled sardines, maybe being grilled right there under laundry that is hanging uh, from the windows in Alfama. And that's perfect. That's I love it. it. You've you've nailed it there. Claudia, how about you? Well, it's very difficult to just put in the words, uh, you know, just one thing about Portugal. But uh, I'm from the city of Lisbon, so I recommend you the viewpoints. Mm. The viewpoints with the sunset, it's mm. really, really nice. Up on the castle, you see the river, you see the yeah. bridge. The, the river especially, it's really beautiful. And if you are, you know, in romantic, you know, <laughs> with someone, it's really important nice to share that with someone. Oh, I love it. I can think of three or four viewpoints <laughs> yeah, that I would yeah. <laughs> love to be there with my favorite travel partner. Claudia Costa, Fatima Bugarin, thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about your beautiful country, Portugal. Thank you, Rick. Obrigada. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. I love art. And in my new book, Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's a greatest hit sweep through art history via the finest paintings, sculpture, and architecture ever. It's all in Europe's top 100 masterpieces, art for the traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com.